You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm chapter 142 and verse number one. The Bible says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. Verse two, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated as we look at Psalm 142. This psalm, the description at the top, it says it is a... And instruction is something we all need desperately. And you can learn from your own experience and your own mistakes. And uh, most of us have done that along the way. Or you can learn or we can learn from the mistakes or the situations and the experiences of others. This psalm was written as a teaching and instruction for God's people for generations to come. It says it was a prayer when he, that is David, was in the cave. Now that seems like a strange place for a king to be. A king should be in the palace. A king should be on the throne. A king should uh, be uh, surrounded by guards and surrounded by protection. And a king should be surrounded by uh, gold and silver and precious things and the, the, finest, uh, the finest meals. And that's what you'd think a king would have. But here, King David is not on the throne. He's in the cave. You say, well, what was he doing in the cave? Not the kinds of things that you and I do in a cave when we go to explore. Uh, I remember one of the first times I'd ever been in a cave. And, uh, you know, it's, especially if you don't have a flashlight, that's not, to me, that's not an exciting experience. Uh, Brother uh, Curry, Brother Gabriel, you may like that. I mean, you may think that's the adventure or whatever, but I'd kind of like to have a flashlight to know what's, what else is in the cave with me. And what's really scary is when you see eyeballs, you know, looking at you from inside the cave or whatever. But we were at, um, we were at Wildcat Den State Park uh, near Muscatine, Iowa. Some of the folks here from uh, Geneseo and then uh, my wife and her church, they used to go over there some. But now, there, there's, by the way, there's caves at Wildcat Den State Park. But it makes me wonder why they call it Wildcat Den. Den. Does that, does that concern anybody else at all to think, huh, I wonder where it got that name? 
Maybe because in those caves and in those dens, they found some wildcats. It's just a guess. It's just kind of a, a shot in the dark. But I remember the first time we went and we took some teenagers and uh, Miss Lydia, I'll never forget your sister, Sarah. She, she was just, let's go for it, you know, whatever. No flashlight, no nothing. She's like, we're going in to explore these caves, you know, and you wouldn't know what was in there once you got in. But I remember we went on some of those and I remember thinking about being in a cave and what that must have felt like. Then uh, years later, my wife and I, we visited in Kentucky, uh, the Mammoth Caves. Anybody ever been to the Mammoth Caves in Kentucky? Uh, it, it is unbelievable. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, you, it, it, you feel like when you get in there, you feel like you're inside of a football stadium, but you're underground and you're in a cave. It is massive. And uh, for King David, he's in a cave. And while he's in a cave, he begins to pray. Can I tell you, that's a good thing to do when you're in a cave. And David's cave expedition was not one of fun or adventure, but his cave experience was running for his life. His cave experience was because he was in hiding. He was desperate to stay alive. Charles Spurgeon said this about this psalm. He said, caves make good prayer closets. Their gloom and solitude are helpful to the exercise of devotion. But then Spurgeon went on to say this, had David prayed as much in his palace as he did in his cave, he might never have fallen into the act, which of course the sin with Bathsheba, which brought such misery upon his later days. I tell you what, you may not be in a cave today, but I hope you're praying you may be on the mountaintop today, but I hope you still pray and I hope you still trust God and I hope that we still call upon God whether we're in the cave or we're in the palace. I want you to notice in Psalm 142, verse number one, David said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. That's a request. That's a, a prayer request that David had. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Lord, would you help us as we look at this psalm for a few moments? I pray you'd speak to our hearts and challenge us and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Miss Odell, I'm sorry, we didn't do that last song. Miss Lydia, I'm sorry, we didn't do that. It was on the cue card, but um, we'll sing that some other time. That's a good one. Thank you all. Thank you to our instrumentalists so much, Miss Cheryl and Miss Lydia, Miss Odell, and Brother Mike and Brother George. I love getting to hear all those instruments. You do such a good job. First of all, I'd like for you to see David's prayer. He says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. Now, I understand you don't have to talk out loud to pray. Uh, I understand that God uh, knows your thoughts and he knows your heart cry. But you know what I find when I pray? It's good if I use my voice. It's good if I uh, vocalize my prayer because it helps me to stay on track. Do you ever, do you ever start to pray? Uh, maybe wherever you are and you can't pray out loud and your mind starts to wander and you start thinking about this and you start thinking about this and then next, you know, where was I? I was praying first, you know, and, and, and praying out loud is good for you. God can hear you no matter what. But David said, I'm, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. I poured out my complaint. That word complaint, it literally, it has the meaning of a meditation or a contemplation. David said, I really didn't even know what I wanted, but I was musing. 
And I was thinking, and I, I needed God to do something, and I really wasn't sure exactly what I wanted or needed God to do, but I just poured out my heart to God. You know, God wants us to be honest with Him. Now think about that. If you're not honest with God, you're not fooling God. You're only fooling yourself, right? Because He knows he knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows what's going on on the inside. But David said, I just, I poured out my heart. I poured out my soul to God. When was the last time that you were honest with God? When was the last time you just said, God, here's what I'm facing. Here's the struggle I'm going through. And God, I don't know what to do. I, I don't have a plan A. I don't have a plan B. I don't have a plan C. I don't have any plans. I don't even know a good plan. I can't come up with anything. But God, I, I call upon you and I cry out to you. I'll tell you this. If you're in a cave, you might as well pray. Complaining's not going to do you any good. Worrying's not going to help you any. But praying is what moves the hand of God. And David said, I might be in a cave. I might be in trouble. I might be in a hard spot, but I can still pray. And I want to tell you, you can still pray. I don't know what you're going through. I really, I feel like through all of this, I feel like we've been able to stay in touch, but not nearly as well as when we're all together. I feel like it's by text messages or it's by a, a note in the mail or it's by a, uh, just a quick phone conversation. But I feel like there's so many folks that I, I'm not keeping up on, on how you're doing because I don't get to talk to you every service like uh, before. But can I tell you, I'm glad that God knows all about it. I'm glad that we can talk to him and we can pray. In verse number six, it says, attend unto my cry. It means listen, uh, hear. Uh, I want you to, to, to hear what I'm saying, God. And I'm glad that God is good at listening. Uh, you may not be good at listening. I may not be good at listening. But I'm glad that God is the expert at listening. And God wants to hear from you and he wants to hear from me and he wants us to pray. You're not bugging God. You're not bothering God. Sometimes people will call me and say, oh, I'm so sorry to bug you. And I'll say, you're not bugging me. I want to talk to you and I'm happy to talk to you. But can I tell you, you will never bother God with your prayers. He wants to hear your prayer. Number one, David's prayer. But secondly, David's problem. I like the fact that David starts with the prayer and then in the prayer, he tells God his problem. He says in verse number two, I poured out my complaint and I showed before him my trouble. That word trouble, it means distress or anguish. It says in verse three, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, David said, God, my, my problem is I'm in trouble. I'm in distress. I'm overwhelmed. Now, some Bible scholars would, 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 would disagree on exactly when this psalm was written. Some believe it was while he was running from Saul, and some believe it was while he was running from Absalom. I think either one could be possible there. But, you know, David was so overwhelmed because in both situations, he was in a tight spot. Because when, when David fought on the battlefield against Goliath, now, that may have seemed like a big, big battle. But for David, he could kill Goliath. That, that could have an ending. 
he could swing that, that sling and launch that stone and he could go and take Goliath's sword and he could cut off Goliath's head and he could know, Goliath, this battle is over, it's done, God won the victory. But when he was running from Saul, Saul was his father-in-law. Saul was the king of Israel. And David said, I'm not going to touch, I'm not going to hurt God's anointed, even though Saul was a wicked king. David said, I'm not going to kill him. So now David is running from Saul, and Saul is trying to kill David, but David is not going to do anything to retaliate. The same was true with Absalom. Absalom took over the kingdom, and Absalom rebelled against David, and Absalom uh, sent his men out to kill David. And David's one request to the men that were with him, he said, do not hurt Absalom. He said, he may be trying to kill me, but I don't want to hurt him. And can you see where David was overwhelmed? Because the enemy that was coming against him was not an enemy he could kill. It was not an enemy that he could fight back against. It was an enemy that he had to trust God to protect him from. Now, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that you may have some battles and you may have some situations in your life right now where you cannot fix it. Like we said at the beginning, you don't have a plan. I mean, there's not a good solution to the problem that you're facing in your mind. You're overwhelmed. But I got good news for you. God can take care of you in the midst of the situation. God can change the situation. God can turn things around. God can change the outcome. God can keep you safe in that cave when you think it's hopeless. You think there's no way out. But guess what? In both cases, David came out of that cave. In both cases, David went back and sat on that throne and God answered David's prayer. Yes, he had a problem. Yes, he had difficulty. Yes, he was overwhelmed. But God was greater than the problem. David talks about his pain. He talks about his persecutors, verse number six. He said, deliver me from my persecutors for they are stronger than I. Verse seven, bring my soul out of prison. That song that we started the service with, um, uh, long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound by sin. You know, uh, David was not in a physical prison. He was not literally locked up behind bars, but he said, my spirit is locked up. Uh, my, 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 my soul, I feel like I just, I feel like I'm imprisoned. I feel like I'm in chain. And David said, I've got a problem. But can I tell you? There was somebody who could set David free from those chains. There was somebody who could break him out of that spiritual, emotional prison that David felt he was in. David had a prayer. He had a problem. Number three, I want you to see David's path. I love this. Psalm 142 and verse three, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me? Now, David was saying, God, on my path, on my journey, my enemies, they laid some snares. They laid some traps, and they were sneaky. That word privily. Uh, they were hidden. Uh, they were disguised. I'm walking down the way, and I don't see those snares coming. I don't see those traps ahead, but God... You already know my path. You already know the way I'm going. 
You already know the route I'm going to take. And God, you know how to keep me safe before I ever get there. Now, I don't know. I don't know what's coming for you this week. I don't know what snares, what traps the devil's going to have waiting for you this week. I don't know what discouragement's waiting this week. I don't know what burdens are waiting this week. But I've got great news. God already knows your path. He already knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen Wednesday and Friday. And he knows what's going to happen at work. And he knows what's going to happen at home. And God can protect you along your path. David said, I didn't see the snares coming, but God, you saw them already. The songwriter for the song Amazing Grace said, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. David was lonely. It says in Psalm 142 in verse number four, I looked on my right hand and beheld, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, no man cared for my soul. David was lonely. He said there was nobody that even cared about me, whether I would live or whether I would die. David felt as though he were an outcast. He felt as though he were forsaken. In our hymn books, there's the song, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. That song was written by Charles Weigel. Charles Weigel later, at near the end of his life, he moved to uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, to the uh, Highland Park Baptist Church where Dr. Lee Robertson was the pastor. And they, uh, they at one time, they had a, their, their music center was named after Charles Weigel. But he was an evangelist and he was preaching and serving God and one day, his wife just decided, she said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not living this life. I'm not living the life of serving God, and God's called you to do it, but I'm done. And she left him. And Charles Weigel was hopeless. He was just in despair. He didn't know what to do, and he, had, he was in the middle of, of preaching meetings, and he said, well, I, I've got to try to go on, and of course, tried to contact his wife and tried to work things out and hoping that things would. He went to a, a meeting and he preached and went to another meeting and preached and he is in, in just the pits of despair knowing that his wife has left. He was getting ready to go to a certain city and Billy Sunday warned him, he said, uh, uh, Charles, he said, don't go to that city. He said, nothing good's ever gonna happen in that city. Charles Weigel, I heard the recording in his own words. He said, I got to that revival at that city and that Sunday morning, he said, I got done preaching, and he said, I, I, I can't explain it, but he said there were 300 people that walked the aisle that Sunday morning. He said it was only God could do that. He said that service that night, he said 200 more came and walked the aisle in that revival meeting. And he said, while I was going through a time where I felt like nobody cared about me, he said, God showed up, and God gave me strength. And later, Charles Weigel sat down, and he wrote that song. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no one else could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Can I tell you, you may feel like David. You may feel like you're in a cave. You may feel like you're forsaken. You may feel like you're forgotten. But I got news for you. There's somebody who cares about you. 
You cannot say truthfully that no man cared for your soul because there is one who has never forgotten you. He's never forsaken you. He loves you. He cares about you. His name is Jesus and he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah for that friend. Paul, in his ministry, he was persecuted. He was forsaken. He was beaten. He was stoned and left for dead. And Paul, at one point in his life, he said, there was nobody that stood with me. But then he caught himself and he corrected himself. He said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. I'm glad that God is always there. I'm glad that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Notice Psalm 142. I got to go quickly. David said, here's my prayer. Here's my problem. Here's my path. But then I want you to see David's portion. It says in verse 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Now, we use that portion sometimes, maybe when we're talking about a meal. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take a portion of that or I'll take a, 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 a big portion of that or, you know, we use that. But this word portion, it literally means a possession. In some cases, talking about an inheritance. And David says about God, he said, God, you are my portion. You are my inheritance. You are my possession. Now, you say, well, what does that mean? Well, here's, here's, what, I'm, here's what I'm seeing. David was in the cave. He didn't have the treasures. He didn't have the throne. He didn't have the palace. He didn't have the friends. He didn't have the fan club. He didn't have anybody. He didn't have anything. But he said, that's okay, God. I may not have anything else, but you are all that I need. And I want to tell you, friend, when God is your portion, when he is your possession, not God gives you a possession or God gives you something, but when God himself, becomes all that you need, you'll find you're going to be just fine because he's all you really need. The song says that uh, when you come to the place where you find that he is all you have, that's when you discover that God is all you need. God is enough. He is sufficient. He is all that you need. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the I am God. He is whatever you need. He is there. David said, God, you're my refuge. You're my shelter. You're my trust. You're my hope. When men would be in battle, when soldiers would be in battle, and maybe the battle was not going their way, there would be a place where they could run for refuge. They could run for safety. Miss Jodina sang on Wednesday night about that city of refuge. That city of refuge, those were set up in the land of Israel. That were, those were places where people could run for safety when they were falsely accused or when someone was after them, wanting to kill them. When they got in that city of refuge, they were safe. And that refuge, friend, is Almighty God. He'll keep you safe. He'll shelter you. He'll protect you. He'll take care of you. He doesn't just provide a refuge. He doesn't just give you a place to stay. He is the refuge. God is my portion, David said. And then lastly, God is my praise. Verse 7, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. 
The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Now think about this. He's in the cave, and he starts to pray. He said, Lord, I'm pouring out my heart to you. I'm giving, letting you know my complaint. I'm overwhelmed. And, and he's praying, and then he starts thinking about all that God is. God, you're my portion. God, you're my refuge. And then he gets to the end, and he said, hey, I'm just going to praise God because I know that he will deal bountifully with me. He says, I know that God is going to take care of me. That is what I call praising God. He felt like he was in prison, but he said, God, I want you to bring me out so I can praise you. I love the story in Acts 16, Paul and Silas, they were in jail and they just got a head start on praising. They didn't even wait till God let them out. They said, we're just going to sing and praise God before we ever get out of this place because we know that God is able. I'm so thankful for God's goodness in my life. That word bountifully, it's literally the idea, it's more than you can even contain. It is above and beyond what you could ever ask. I've told you before, my wife and I, we claim that verse, Ephesians 3.20, as we prayed and prayed for, for children. And of course, then God answered that prayer with Lacey and Savannah, gave us two. But that verse, Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. This psalm begins with a prayer, but it ends with a praise. You see, when you get in the cave, you can complain, you can gripe, and you can be depressed, and you can be defeated, but you're going to stay that way until that complaint shifts into praying. When you start to pray, and when God shows up, when God answers that prayer and God reveals himself to you that he is enough, and then you start to realize, hey, I'd rather be in a cave with God than be on the throne without him. I'd rather be uh, uh, running for my life but know that God is by my side than to be in the middle of an army. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.